Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack Podcast Series. I am, and will always be, your host, Chris Farmstead, and with me is, and he will always will be, Mr. Jacob Atkins. Jake, how are you doing on a Friday that I'm so glad it's a Friday? Yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to Friday since Monday. Yeah, every in my this week has gone by so weird. Like every day, even my Fridays don't feel like a Friday no more. Every my Fridays feel like a Thursday, and Monday through Thursday feels like a Monday. I don't See, even. My feel, week went by pretty fast, honestly. My week feels like it went by really slow, but I could be wrong. Um, so guys, I know we have been keeping track of everything. I, I'm pretty much you know running around crazy i feel like waj right now and you guys know adrian waj i can't even i just call him the waj the woj but he has for the last two weeks he's been working his paycheck off and so have we been trying to keep track of writing everything that has happened within the last week right it's been the last it's, it's been a lot and it's been crazy but before we get into that we always like to have our little fun with our this day in history Anything going on? So today was like the most common day in history for the All-Star game. Um, We had a few, mostly the East, just destroying the West, which is kind of the opposite of what we've seen, like kind of in our lifetimes. Um, In 2009, Baron Davis dropped 20 assists and a win over the Knicks. We had Moses Malone. Set the record for most offensive rebounds in a game at 21. The Hawks in 1970 set the record for the most points in the second half of a game with 97. Wilt Chamberlain scored 59 points and Cliff Hagen of the St. Louis Hawks scored 55 points. Just hearing St. Louis Hawks. Yeah. Um, well, that is interesting. Like some of the, and even some of those stats you will not see again, like Baron Davis, 20 assists. I know that's hard enough as, I mean, Chris Paul could on a night, you know, if he did not care about scoring. Yeah. He's probably one of the few that could go get 20. He's the only one I could think of right now in this league that could do it. Yeah, he might be. So. Um, before we before we get into the entire trade, because that's gonna take pretty much what could be an hour. Um, real quick rundown: we've gone through, you know, who made the All Star list. You know, the the starters and the reserves. The team they did the draft. Teams went out. Um, what's interesting is Harden was picked last. I mean, he hasn't played well this year. I, LeBron's not an idiot, right? Let's He's just not. go ahead. Let's just go ahead and address the obvious of what happened. LeBron's not an idiot. He's Kevin not. Durant was not going to pick James Harden. LeBron did not pick James Harden. I guarantee you, because he knew Kevin Durant would not. Right. But what's interesting? So LeBron team team LeBron. You have LeBron. You have Giannis, you have Steph, you have Demar, and you have Jokic as your starters. It's not bad. Versus the starters for Durant is Embiid, Morant, 
Tatum Young and Wiggins because Durant's not playing anymore. He's not on the list. He's not on the list. I blow out, but you know me. Yeah, I, can... I don't I mean LeBron LeBron is a GM already. Like he can pick a team. Just, he, just it's not working out this year, but I mean he, the, he knows how to draft people. Right. So I think one day we will see him in a front office position, without a doubt. And it wouldn't surprise me if he went straight from you go to the playoffs Cle- into the into the front office. No, like, I, I and you know no, where he would go to Cleveland. He would go to Cleveland in a heartbeat. I feel like he could do a lot of work for them in a big way that, in all honesty, hasn't been big since they won the title. Now they're doing good, but with LeBron as a GM and his connections and who he has, he would be a great front office for that Cavs team. And you know he, the the All Star game is in Cleveland. And did you see? Did you watch the draft? Any? I watched a little bit. I mean, mainly for the you know the comical features. You know, you're always going to see comical things. Aside from the end with the TNT guys like destroying James Harden, LeBron. Is, he's brilliant, right? Like, All-Star Game is in Cleveland. His second reserve pick, I think it was his second reserve pick, was the only Cleveland was, player. Darius Garland, yeah. And then he said, um, I think KD said that he wanted to trade for Garland, but then LeBron said he had to take the Cleveland guy into the Cleveland All-Star Game because he left twice. Mm-hmm. And did, did you see what the TNT guys said about James Harden? No. So it comes down to the last pick and um TNT guys are just loving it because it like KD's like, you know, oh, I need I need size to to defend the paint. Laughing yeah. LeBron's laughing, Barkley's laughing, and then at the end of it, um Le- LeBron says, uh James is hurt. Like is he healthy? Is he gonna play? And you hear Barkley in the back say he just got traded. Of course he's healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's funny. It's funny in a sense. And I mean, looking at the reserves for both, it just doesn't. I feel like it's too one sided. I like the reserves for Durant better. I do. I like the reserve just because you have Booker, you have Levine, you have Ball. Yeah. Versus the reserves for LeBron. I mean, you still have uh, Paul, Garland, Luca. That's really. I mean, it's that even, even, and then you can kind of pick and choose who's better at what. But the reserve, I agree. The reserves do look better for um, Durant, Team Durant. Just LeBron team in general. He he just knew who to pick. I just I don't like Van Vliet or Donovan Mitchell. The the fact that they made it. I don't I just I don't like them as players. So I don't I don't think I don't think Van Vliet or um Donovan Mitchell are better than Lamelo. I don't think they're better than Booker. I don't think they're better than Middleton. All Star game is I don't think next- they're better than Levine. All Star game is next week, isn't it? Uh yeah, I think so. Um no, not next week, the following week, because next week's Super Bowl weekend. They ain't doing it then. This weekend Super Bowl weekend. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I got. Yeah, so it must be next weekend. Okay, we'll make our we'll make our guess as to what the score could be next week, but it's just interesting to see how who got picked where, and you just know that without Durant playing, it's going to be pretty much a runaway. But I know it's just they're going to be trying to get the highest score possible. What's interesting is that the over under for total points is like three hundred and eighteen. Yeah, over. I would go over. I would. I think they'll they'll both probably put up like one fifty. I would go over. I'd go higher than that. They could go more than one fifty. They could probably go to like one eighty if they really wanted to. They they might, but the whole Elam ending thing, I don't see it going much farther than one fifty. You don't see it going past one fifty. No, I think I think three eighteen. I might go under. You might go under? Yeah. See if it changes. Um but this whole week has been an interesting week. It's been the last week of um, trade deadlines, last-minute tr- packages being done, and we're just going to go through them. We're just going to go line by line, trade by trade that went down. So um, February, what was this, February 8th at 10.59 a.m., just shy of 11 a.m., the Blazers agreed to send McCollum, Larry Nash Jr., and Tony Snell to the Pelicans. At the Pelicans sending Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Didi Luzada, and a future first-round pick and two future second-round picks to the Blazers. Ooh, those are pick swaps, too. That could be big. So... It's an end of the era for the Lillard McCollum duo in Portland. Is is Dame going to jump ship now? No, I don't think he's going to jump ship. He's under. I mean, he he can't do anything. It'd be it, it would have to come from the front office because he's under like three more years of contract. He just signed a big extension. He can't go anywhere. So who so who and won then, the, so who won this trade? I think the the Pelicans, I think, won that trade. I don't know why the Blazers did that. They could have gotten more if they traded Dame. So I I think the Pelicans won that trade. And I think it all it and it could eventually be at least a decent three if Zion were to you know, get healthy and lose weight. Has yeah, anybody from him? No. Goodness, I just hope that kid is doing whatever he can to be okay. Um, so continuing along the line, same day, February 8th, at 1.28 p.m., and I sent you this. Pacers are trading Domantas Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second-round pick to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. I think the Kings won that trade. I think the Kings won that trade too, because Halliburton was, and you you talked about Halliburton. He was doing so good right now. Yeah, he was he was playing really well. But the problem is now that the um the Pacer the the Kings don't really have that much shooting. I mean, Jeremy Lamb's been okay. Sabonis can get you a double double. Um, 
But the Kings right now are still in like a rebuilding process, and so are the Pacers. But it I, makes I, sense I, that the Kings took on because Halliburton. I'm pretty sure if I looked at his contract, he's only got like one year or two years left. Thompson yeah. is an expiring contract of like somewhere of like eight to twelve million, and then Buddy Heald is on not an awful contract, but I mean, I th- I, I think they they might cut Tristan Thompson or buy him out because he he doesn't like he's not going to help them with what they need right like he's he impacts winning and they don't need to win they need to lose and then heading into the ninth which I believe which is when heading into Wednesday um the Utah Jazz are acquiring Nikhil Alexander-Walker from the Blazers and Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Spurs in a three-way deal. The Spurs get guard Tomas Sadoransky in a second-round pick, and the Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, in a second-round pick. I like that pickup for the Blazers, getting Joe Ingles. I, I feel like that was kind of dirty of Utah to trade it him. It is because he's hurt. I mean, he, and Joe he's hurt. is baller. He can yeah. play. Why he's, would you hit him up? He's a high-motor guy that the fans love. I don't he's, understand why they traded him for. And he, was, and he was doing so well this year on a team that's pretty good in the West right now. I mean, they essentially traded Joe Ingles for Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's and that's not, that's an no, awful trade. Awful trade. Awful trade. Um, let's see. Two forty-five p.m. the same day, the Oak, the Thunder acquired KZ Apala from the Miami. This Heat one I don't get for a twenty twenty-six second-round pick. Additionally, the Heat have agreed to amend the twenty twenty-five first-round pick owed to the Thunder, potentially giving Miami more flexibility in trading future picks. I, just, I don't under I don't understand that one. I, I just don't like what what's the benefit of that trade to them? There's nothing really. Like that that just kind of was like unnecessary. I I it it, 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 it just kind of depends on what Miami intends to do with that trade because right now they're doing well they could be looking to just you know keep it consistent i mean it's a second round pick like i don't i don't understand what they're gonna unless there's unless they use it later on down the road to like dump a bad contract or something like i don't i'm not excited about a second round pick i know and it it really just all comes down to that as far as, you know, where it goes. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the oh, next one was the, uh, the magic was, trade. No, not right. yet. was 8.30 time on the... T- Tenth pre-deadline. Uh, Brooke, although, oh no, wait, I missed it. 
10 uh no 11:40. the kings are requiring milwaukee bucks guard don DiVincenzo in a four-team trade kings forward marvin bagley is going to the pistons the bucks are acquiring the clippers serge abaca in the deal Detroit, which is sending out multiple second-round picks, is sending Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles to the Kings. The Bucks are sending Semi Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood to the Clippers in the four-team deal. I know that was a lot, but we can break uh, down real quick. I like the Bucks getting Serge Ibaka. I do too. That's a good pickup for them, just because like what he does. Like the intangibles that he brings are kind of what PJ Tucker brought. So I think he can kind of like fill that void. And he's got like, he's a vet. Obviously, he's got playoff experience. I, I like that pickup, but I don't like that they got rid of DiVincenzo. I think that was a bad decision. DiVincenzo is a really, really good player for them. I think so too. At that point, um, let's and see. And it's about time the Pistons or the Pistons, the Kings got rid of Bagley. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Twelve oh three p.m. Same day. The Raptors are trading. The Raptors traded Drogic, the Dragon, and protected twenty twenty two first first round picks to the Spurs for Thad Young, Drew Eubanks, and a twenty twenty two second second round pick. Via the Pistons. The pick is protected 1 to 14 in 2022 and 1 to 13 in 2023 and would turn it into two seconds beyond that. Which I'm 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 sure do you do you want to clarify this to the folks because not understand it that well. So Jake. The the protection aspect of it. So if the pick falls one through 14, they keep it. So it, it protects that draft pick if it falls in that range. And if it doesn't, then they trade it. And then you said it, if both picks are protected, then they turn into two second round picks. Correct. So if, if they land in that lottery two years in a row, then they only have to give up two second round picks and it, instead of one first round pick. This one, I, this one's weird, man. Like, it, is Bowl Bowl making the Magic better? Is PJ Dozier making the Magic better? Is it hurting the Celtics that they lost them? This is like one of those like the Heat trades. I just don't understand this one. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of it. It kind of questions it a lot. Like I, I struggle to have an opinion on this trade because, I mean, I do like Bowl Bowl, but I just don't get it. I don't get this trade. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, so the big, the big trade that happened: the Brooklyn Nets traded James Harden, Paul Millsap, to the 76ers for Simmons, Curry. Drummond and two first round picks. The Sixers, so, the Nets, an unprotected 2022 first round pick and a protected 2027 first round pick. So let, let's let's rephrase this. This wasn't a trade. 
this was a highway robbery. If you if you want to try to tell me that this was a fair trade or the 76ers won this believe trade or no one won this trade. Believe that I know this was not a fair trade. This was ridiculous. The Nets get Andre Drummond, who has played fantastic this year with Joel Embiid out. One of the best shooters in the league, Seth Curry, and Ben Simmons, who I will bet you money plays before the end of next week. Correct. And it would be interesting to see, you know, the whole – and even the betters were like, who won out this trade? I think Philly won this trade more than anything because in a sense it proves, you know, what's – Dan Morey? Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey. I mean, you talk about him holding his ground, but at the same time, Ben Simmons eventually got what he wanted. He he did get what he wanted, but I think the 76ers also got what they wanted in return. Like I don't think they gave up as they gave up more than what they wanted to, I think. But I think they got in return what they wanted. They got that top 25 player in the NBA. Right. That they, that they were demanding that no one else could give them or would give them. But like you you had to give up draft picks and three players to get James Harden. How happy, um, how happy were you that the Hornets uh, picked up Montrez Harrell? I don't like Montrez Harrell. I think he's I think he's a little overrated. And then but I, I, I went to the um, I went to the Hornets game when they played the Bulls, and let me tell you, Demar Derozan is a machine. That, right. That's a that's a bad man. That is a bad man. The way like he's not like blindingly fast or quick. But, but his, this dude his like moves effectively. Mm-hmm. Like you've got Kyrie Irving, who's as quick as it gets. You've got Steph Curry, who's as quick as it gets. Demar Derozan is just like like watching him is like listening to like Mozart. Like it it it's uh, indescribable right. how how well this this man moves. At the end of the day, I mean he he's an all star for a reason. But I think people had forgotten how good he was. Yeah. His days in Toronto, his days in San Antonio were still good. He was just on a team that was not a profile team. Yeah. Like this always kept under the radar. Yeah, I, I'm happy that he's he's come back around. And then uh, Porzingis got moved to the Wizards for Dinwiddie and Davis Burtons. So Dallas is kind of, you know... I mean, they picked up a good shooter in Dinwiddie, but they don't have that forward that you would want. Yeah, that's where they really struggle. Like, even Powell is is not that good. But Porzingis has the, – the only reason that he can still get the – still keep the name Unicorn is because no one ever sees this man play. He's always hurt. When he's not hurt, he's underperforming. Like, he'll have one good game a month. It, it, it was just a waste of money, and it was definitely time to move on from him. Right. And I, what they're saying is that Goran Dragic is going to get bought out and go to Dallas. I think he, what, he's on the Spurs now? Yes. Yeah, they're, no, from was, what I'm yeah, hearing. I believe. 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So what I what I'm hearing is that the Spurs are going to buy him out, and he's going yeah, to go to Dallas. He's yes, he is. Ex are expected to negotiate a contract buyout with Drogic. Among the teams expected to be interested once becomes a free agent is the Mavericks, the Bucks, the Bulls, and the Clippers. Which is interesting. This this whole trade deadline was really, really weird to me. And then what hurt most of all, it's so hard to talk about it. What hurt most of all? The, the Lakers, Lakers didn't do anything. Did absolutely nothing. But what what can they do realistically? They could have done something. It was like watching it was like it was like watching one of those, you know. Um, scary. It's like watching the scary movie franchise. Yeah. Like you know something bad's gonna happen, but you immediately go to it. It's like why would you walk into a dark hallway and expect not to, you know, get hurt? It's like, come on, man. Like, like do something else. What they need to do, they can't do. They yeah, they can't Wait. get rid of Westbrook because the only the only people who want Westbrook is the freaking. Rockets and they're offering John Wall, which I don't they, know why anybody would take on John Wall. They had an option. It was Westbrook for Walker, Fournier, and a pick. They could have done that. They talked. They stopped talking to the Knicks, and I'm just like, "Are you kidding me?" I would have rather had them. Kemba's a good shooter. Excellent this year with points and a future pick. Westbrook has not helped in a way that I feel we were supposed to. Being a Lakers fan, it hurts because we're playing like we're playing like when Kwame does, still on the Lakers. When does John Wall's contract expire? It has to be the next year or two. I still can't believe how much he's being paid for not. Playing. Okay, so he is under contract until the end of next year. So yeah. that's even that's the same as Westbrook's bad contract. I don't that that trade would not help anybody. No, it wouldn't. That's why you should have just. That's why the Nick trade would have worked. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Going to the trade machine. Go to the go to here. Add team one. We're going to Lakers. Add team two. We're going to the Knicks. So the they wanted to trade Fournier and Walker. Fournier, Walker, and a pick. But Financially, it doesn't work. Was it? Was there no? You got to put. So the the Knicks would take on forty four million dollars, and that would put them over the tax. It says I think by eleven million. Right. It says the Knicks are over the luxury tax threshold with this trade and the incoming ag aggregate salaries exceeded what's allowed via the 125% plus $100,000 rule. Cut eleven, pretty much $12 million from the Knicks' incoming trade value to make this trade successful. They would have to do Derrick Rose. But if the, if, the, if the Lakers got rid of Westbrook and took on Fournier, Rose, and Walker, that's they you know, that, suggest that that would hurt them. Work. That trade does work. Yeah, but so that, that would have been the only way to do it. Assist the the Knicks would be plus, and it's not much. It's plus three wins for the Knicks, 
minus three wins for the Lakers, which doesn't. I don't. I don't see Westbrook improving anybody by three wins. I don't see it either. I think that that stat has just fluctuated. And you know, Westbrook didn't even play in their last game. No, and they lost to like the they, third string Blazers team. Oh, and they lost. So it doesn't matter at this point. Um, but we're going to take a quick commercial break, guys. When we come back, we have our one on one Hooper profile with Georgia Tech women's basketball star Digna Stroutmane. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Hoop Jack podcast series, guys. And today, for our one on one Hooper profile, we have a very special guest from Georgia Tech University women's basketball, Digna Stroutmane. Digna, it's great to have you on the show. Hey, uh, it's really nice to be here. So what's it like playing at the first off, playing at the Division One level, and especially this season with the pandemic still kind of in swing? How has that been a factor for the team this year? Um, well, obviously, everybody's still cautious about everything, but uh, I feel like um, it's comparing to last season's like it's so much easier, like um, – like people are in the gyms, you know, like we have fans at back. And um, I think from the pandemic standpoint, it's definitely, it feels more free and more back to kind of normal. Um, but yeah, like it's uh, division one basketball. It's obviously always competitive and hard, especially while being in school and, and doing all the work that we have to do. Uh, but um, I feel great to be in Georgia Tech right now. Uh, the teammates I have is are great, and uh, the coaching staff is great. Um, I feel like I'm in a really good environment uh, with people that are very, uh, first of all, competitive and great at what they do. So um, I think I'm in a really good position. <laughs> and you've been growing up with a lot of, you know, competitive matches a lot of competitiveness through basketball especially growing up in Latvia that there had to have been a lot of great competition coming through there what's the culture like kind of growing up in Latvia versus coming to here to play college basketball um well Obviously, yes. I started to play basketball when I was like, very little. I always played kind of like the same style, you know, like the lobby is kind of small. So like uh, the coaching style, I guess it's kind of similar uh, to a lot of coaches there. Uh, I was re- I, I got very adjusted to that and uh, I felt really comfortable uh, while being there and playing uh, in those teams. Uh, even though I was switching teams, I was still like kind of playing the same type of basketball I guess I would say and then um yeah when I got to America it was the first time I kind of was like oh this is a little bit different like I have to like uh play a little bit different I have like coaches have different expectations uh um I feel like it, it got like even more competitive like I mean I was playing in a high level in Latvia like but when I got here I realized um that it's all around like you know like when you play in the same environment all the time like you kind of don't understand that around the whole world people are playing so competitively and it's like when I got to America I realized that college basketball I never expected it to be so big 
and uh, I got here and yeah and I just have to like every day go in like every practice compete for my spot compete in the games for like the wins everything so it's like it's different and like to just to just adjust how the coaches like expect what the coaches expect from you and everything it, it was definitely um it was definitely different but uh very very interesting experience and i i i'm grateful that i have this opportunity to be here and that i had an opportunity to play in europe and um in my country and hopefully in the future like uh i'll be a professional basketball player and um and we'll we'll experience even more different environments and and you started and you started by talking about you started playing basketball at a young age was basketball kind of you wanted to try it out and just see where it goes or were you, like you you talk about how you're very determined in basketball I can tell you're very determined in the game of basketball when did you like when did that determination become a reality and I want to take this as serious as possible um I feel like well so I started to play basketball when I was no I think I was eight actually when I started to really play it and then um I was like my well my sister started to kind of play a little bit later than me because like we were like dancing and doing all the different exercises I think my parents just wanted me to like wanted me and my sister just to be out the house you know just doing stuff <laughs> and then um yeah so like then we were doing all these different things and I and then I was just so tall for my age uh at already at age eight and uh and then i i wasn't really succeeding in like dancing and like was singing with my age groups like i just looked like i kind of looked funny like between all the little kids and uh i feel like it was just me who said like i was talking to my mom and i was like i don't want to do this like i just feel like i'm uncomfortable like and then yeah, it was just um, like it was that kind of experience. And then when I got to basketball and I guess everybody kind of like accepted me because it wasn't it wasn't an, an advantage to be taller. So like it was kind of and at first I didn't do good. Like I was playing with older girls and I like I was so bad. I thought like I would not even be good in that. But then when my age group started to play, I realized like, oh, like I'm already like a step ahead because I was practicing with older girls and stuff like that. And then I feel like when I feel like when it was like when I got 13 and um, I think when I turned 13 and I made the first under 16 national team, I think. I, that probably was when I realized that it's kind of my way to go. Like I want to play basketball and stuff because um, I feel like I was probably one of the, maybe not the first, but one of like the first girls that made the under 16 team uh, when they were 13. And I was like, okay, like, I feel like I don't have, like, and I've been playing, I played basketball. I literally, I was very determined. And as you said, like, I like, I feel like my family didn't have that much money either like to like buy our basketball shoes or whatever and then we had these competitions in Lavi like if you go like 100 straight practices to uh 100 straight practices um and your coach sign like paper and stuff then you can win um basketball shoes and stuff and I was I actually went those 100 straight practices and like got the shoes and I was so happy I did not take these shoes off my feet like the whole summer I think 
I was just like, I was that kind of kid. I feel like I was just uh, trying to go like as hard as possible all the time. And like just, well, and I always had like, I feel like I, I always had fun with it too. So I guess uh, it was kind of, yeah, I always like, I found basketball very entertaining for me. And it was, I had all my friends there and everything. So yeah, it was kind of, I felt it like easier to play basketball than anything else I did before because I just found it, found it more fun. And uh, I think I went off the topic. Uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> yeah, but it, it does sound like it, it was leading up to where, you know, like you said, you started at a young age and just the determination of, you know, not growing up with much, but you, you were committed to basketball no matter what it took, no matter yeah the cost really and you were willing to work hard for even basketball shoes yeah yeah and then that yeah and then yeah right the age 13 was probably then when I realized that basketball is it like I I I had played it literally almost every day of my life at that point and I was just like I I don't see myself not playing basketball anymore and then yeah I started to think about like I feel like I was all I like 15 or 16 i I'm probably like 15. I felt like I was more in like the same environment all the time. So I kind of wanted to switch already something. So I was like looking to go come to America already for high school and stuff. But then uh, I I didn't make that decision. And then um, and then, yeah, but then at that point, already after the ninth grade, I definitely knew that I'm going to America to play uh, playing play college basketball um it was kind of like yeah I just wanted to end up there and just experience American basketball and I thought like that was like a place where I need to be I don't know why I had that mindset but I guess it I guess it was because like I've been playing basketball in Latvia for so long that I wanted like that change and I saw that maybe like that the next step is to play there and also I wanted to get a degree and my family like they really wanted me to get a degree and when you play professionally uh, in Europe it's harder to get well now I guess you can get it more easily the degree because a lot of things are online but when I was when I was just coming out of high school it wasn't really a thing that you like it was I guess you could have like if you really tried to do it online like do do um university degrees but when you play in Europe they don't really care if you go to school or not because basketball is your job so if you have to practice three times a day you're going to practice three times a day and nobody cares if you have class or or anything else but here it's different like the school is kind of in the first place and then like you you can't play basketball if you don't you don't do school so um yeah so I guess that was kind of like another thing like I just really wanted to get a degree and now yeah, now I have two, so it's great. <laughs> and it and it is good that you wanted to take you act and then take that route. And you started your college career at Syracuse, the Orange, which you know is a long way from home. But being you know in New York, it's a great school. What was kind of the decision to play at Syracuse? Um, well, yeah, I started to talk to probably schools when I was like in like. 10th or 11th grade and then um yeah there was like I didn't really know anything about American college basketball at that point I um yeah I didn't know much at all and then I guess when coaches started to recruit me and um started to tell me about like how college basketball is and like and I 
I feel like uh, that year when I went to official visit uh, at Syracuse, they made they also had made like just Final Four, and um, they had a coach from um, France, which I re- like I really liked, and uh, they they two girls that I knew already from France were going were gonna go there, um, so I felt like it was like kind of meant to be like I was like oh I know these people like they're gonna they're gonna make my experience really good and um um yeah obviously like uh, I was there for four years so um it was I mean I it was good experience I met so many great people there and yeah so And how was uh, you while you were at Syracuse? Like you said, you had some great, uh, amazing teammates as well as a head coach in Quentin Hillsman. Is that correct? Yes. So, how was his coaching kind of methods able to help you? And was was there? It, it was a good relationship. Obviously, you were there for all four years. Um, was that relationship? Is that relationship still strong today? Um. I feel like uh, I really appreciate Coach Q for what he did for me, especially um, giving me the opportunity to start for four years and always trusting me. Like even when I was uh, maybe not performing as well, he always like he always had that trust in me, and I will always appreciate that. Um, I feel like I um, I was working hard there, and like I feel like I showed him that like I really want to be on a court as well. And I think we had a really like I think we had a good relationship, and uh, yeah, I just like I feel like I yeah I definitely would have to say thank you for him for being always so supportive of me. And while you were at Syracuse, you know the pandemic hit. You know, kind of college athletics and college in general kind of took a halt at that point. Uh, being away from home, I know that had to be hard on you mentally. Um, but able at any point to kind of go home or at least, you know, still keep in touch with family at that point? Uh, when COVID hit, it was, it was hard. Uh, because, yeah, I guess that whole season, I guess we already kind of knew it was ha- we kind of knew it was happening around the world you know and my family especially because it start like it was going like through euro first so uh everybody was telling me to be really careful and stuff but like in in america at that point like nobody really spoke about it like very seriously because i don't know if like we kind of like didn't believe it or something but like i feel like nobody really took it that seriously uh, until it really hit it really really hard and then um, I guess it was like it happened so sudden, like the whole season cancellation and everything that it was just like um, I didn't really know what to do. Like I didn't know. I, I knew my family is already struggling at home with COVID. So I was not like my first thought was not like, no, actually, my first thought was that I wanted to go home. But I was like, can I go home even? Because my family is telling me not to go. Like, I was obviously talking to them. And they're telling me not to go home if I can because it's really bad there. And in New York, it was not. It was still not that bad. Like, the COVID was not too bad at that point. And, uh, but, but the school got canceled and everything. And we didn't know if it's going to return back to normal or not. So I kind of was like, I was like, okay, my family was saying that too. Like, if I go home, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back. 
uh, if the school continues or anything. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I should just wait. So I waited, I waited, and then the borders closed, so I couldn't go anywhere. Uh, but I was very lucky because, uh, as I said, like I made some really great friends at Syracuse, and um, I have now like my basically my second mom that like was my one of my best friends mom and and she kind of took me under under her like I mean I she took me in her family and um literally I spent there the whole the whole COVID uh summer and uh basically almost five months I think in a row I spent spent in their house and it was like I kind of gained another family at that time when I didn't have really anyone and it could have been like the worst like worst time of my life it turned out to be like one of the best summers of my life and and I learned so much you know like I was living in like a countryside there was so the COVID was not that bad there so we went like I learned how to hunt and fish and do all these outdoor stuff that I never really had a chance to learn before because I was so into like all the time being like since like since I was eight I was all the time in the gym playing basketball and I never really had a chance to do those things and then um, I actually had one summer where we couldn't really play basketball or do anything so I kind of ha had to start to like look into other things I guess and I mean it was just it was just really nice experience and I will always be so thankful for um yeah my I call her my Pennsylvania mom and I like I yeah I will always be really thankful for her and her family for just taking me in their in under I mean in their house and just taking care of me at that time and uh, and uh, yeah but uh obviously like then I ended up not going home for like two years straight and then last year I went home and it was yeah it was great to see everybody back home again and I think it's good that you it didn't get to you and like you said you had great teammates and it was like a second family to you that kind of didn't make you feel kind of left out in a way yeah and then sure. after and then after Syracuse you got you did your four years you got your degree from Syracuse correct yeah, I got my bachelor's and master's degree from Syracuse. So then you got technically a, another year because of the NCAA. You get another year and you're spending it now in Georgia Tech. Kind of a whole different, you went south. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, were you just really invested, like interested in Georgia Tech and what they had to offer? Uh, I definitely was like um, I didn't really know after my four years like what I'm gonna do but I knew like kind of my Syracuse time ended because I, I was I've been there for four years like I I have my two degrees I had my two degrees there um, I felt like it was just time for me to like have that change and I didn't really know when I was leaving that I'm gonna actually go to another college like I was thinking maybe to go already back to Europe to play maybe or yeah, I had all these like different like I didn't really know what to do. Uh, but then yeah, I kind of when the team started to recruit me and when George Tech showed me the interest, uh, I kind of yeah, I definitely um, I kind of already knew right away that like that's probably the spot where I want to be, especially because of yeah, I guess the location. Like uh, I've been in Syracuse; it was really cold all those four years, so. 
it kind of was for me like yeah i kind of want to be in a warmer place um and then um yeah and uh i didn't really yeah and i felt like maybe i have like more to show it to college basketball and like just to um improve myself even more and i knew uh this team was great like last year they went to sweet 16 you know and i knew that the team is returning and uh and i I felt like it was just the right decision for me to stay for another year and uh so i did and obviously the decision didn't come easy though you could ask anybody like they i kind of took my time with it but um but yeah i feel like i like i kind of like knew I'll like I knew kind of early that I wanted to come I just had to like say yes you know to the to all that <laughs> so yeah and while you were in college and I was trying to do my research on this you were apart for two for two years 18 and 19 and I could be wrong if there were more years you were part of the Latvia FIBA team yes yeah that had to have been an amazing experience at your age to be a part of a team that got to play other national teams in major tournaments, including, you know, Spain, Team USA. What was it like playing against other countries that would be like a once in a lifetime opportunity? Uh, It was, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was great. Like, uh, I mean, that whole experience. So this was um, like, that was, yeah, I think it was 2019 when we made it to the world championship. It was like, uh, well, first of all, it was the first time in Latvian history when we did made it to world championship. And I actually made the team, which was, I mean, I couldn't, it like I was like oh my gosh like I can't believe I'm like kind of making a history you know and uh, yeah it was it was great obviously the tournament didn't go as well as we wanted to we uh, we lost the games uh, but yeah we played big teams we played China we played USA and we played Senegal uh, I mean we played big teams and uh, I feel like for our country it was just that that moment when when like the first like I didn't really hit me that I'm there until like the pregame like the pregame when we were like started to talk like when coachy started to talk to us and like when people were sending us like messages and everything about like and you I we realized how many people are into it like the whole country were looking at us and supporting us and then when we went in the gym and like the whole gym was literally like or like we were the the tournament was in uh Canarian Islands Tenerife and um like we literally went on a gym and then when the national anthem started like all the flags and all the people we were there they were singing and singing our national anthem and like it was just like you know like the goosebumps all over you and like the tears in your eyes as you're just there like it was it was amazing like I can I've really like even now like I'm telling you about this and I'm still having like the goosebumps like I'm just like I can't believe I got to experience it and and that's just motivation for me in the future like I want to make it to Olympic Games you know I want to make it to another world championship it's just uh, 
it's just something that I'm like looking forward to for my future like that's the biggest things I want to do I want to represent my country like I want to keep representing it um and uh, I really want to be successful with it too and that kind of segues into my next question I know you know you when I hear your goals I hear the sky's the limit because you've done a lot more than I I wish I could ever do you know be a part of a national team play division one you know represent your country in a way that shows support and I know the plan for after Georgia Tech is endless for you I mean what's the first step that you would want to do after Georgia Tech um I definitely don't have like a clear plan yet because obviously we still are in the season I'm constant I'm focusing right. on this like I'm in a I'm trying to be like I'm trying to focus on the moment that I'm in and um, this is definitely important for me now like Georgia Tech uh, and being successful with this team is like really important to me just to to leave the greatness behind me I kind of could say like I just want to like I want to make it to the like like obviously the tournament and I want to win the tournament and uh, um, and hopefully like you know like I just yeah that's the first goal and like I'm focusing on that and then afterwards like I feel like the doors will just open up and and um, I will see where my next steps are gonna be but for now I feel like I'm just focusing more on on the present and. With kind of the NCAA giving college athletes the opportunity to make brand, work with brands for their name, their likeness, and everything else, I noticed you have kind of your own workout page where you give workout advice to athletes or people in general. Is there anything in the future that you would love to kind of be a part of as a brand face, as a brand ambassador? Um, well, it, for now, like, in, like, yeah, in college, like, they still, I hope they're going to change this rule uh, to um, benefit the international athletes more, uh, which I think is in progress, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, like, we couldn't really benefit from the rule change. Um, um, but uh, yeah, definitely in the future, like, I want to, like, obviously nowadays like to build your own brand is really important kind of uh for your like i mean that's another just platform for yourself and that you can yeah just build your future out of it but um i'm really uh i don't know i i feel like if uh i would have a chance and uh apps for me i don't know like a brand would contact me i definitely I, I definitely would do it. I don't have like one specific thing that I would want to do or anything because I'm very open-minded about stuff. Like, as I said, like, just like, like for now, I would think like, oh, like somebody like would offer, like, off, I'm, I don't know, like offer me to like represent hunting gear. Like I probably would do it. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you're open-minded. Yeah. Like, you know, cause I, I like those things and I feel like, uh, people need to like do more out outside you know like I feel like that's very important like I feel like or nowadays society is really into like their really phones computers and stuff like just being inside and not like and experiencing the things that the nature is giving us too you know so I mean 
there's a lot of things that I would <laughs> I would do personally and uh, but obviously for now my main focus is basketball and if I can inspire somebody like I was trying like because the fitness page I started to like kind of inspire myself and like just to um, motivate myself because obviously the COVID was really hard for everyone and like I feel like for athletes as well and I was just thinking like that's a that's part of my self-motivation and I feel like if, if that can help with someone someone else too it's great you know but yeah I just feel like everybody need, needs to find something that like inspires them and like just kind of like uh, yeah I just I feel like yeah i'm sorry i'm starting to mumbling mumbling no, all right and it, there's it's so many possibilities that it it's hard to just name one and like yeah. you said yeah. the opportunity will come if you want to play overseas the opportunities are endless yes so my last question and i enjoy asking this question to every interviewee because it's always a different answer um what advice would you get to a young basketball player wanting to play at the college level or in your case overseas in another country what would you, what would be your advice to them what would be my advice well first of all i feel like the main thing i would give would be like follow whatever feels right and like do not just limit yourself with just one, um, like one thing that maybe somebody told you or somebody has said. Like, I feel like you cannot, like, if you have so many, uh, I'm going to start mumbling again, but I feel like there are so many times maybe that I have been limited on like one thing and I have lost so many opportunities that I could have possibly, possibly achieve, achieve. So I would definitely advise to just not limit yourself to anything. Like, I feel like if you just need to find the right spot where you where you could use all of you, not just one part of you. Uh, so I would definitely suggest that. And then just keep working hard. Like, not it's never like the end, you know? Like, I feel like we can always improve ourselves in some way. And um, yeah, so don't stop working. Like if something doesn't work out, like if you're going to keep working, it's going to start to work out and it's going to, yeah. And you're going to see, you're going to see the progress with time. It's never one day. It's never like two days. Take months or years to um, maybe improve just the smallest thing, but it just comes with time. So just never, never give up and just keep working hard and the good things will happen. And that's great advice to have. And like you, like you said, you shouldn't limit yourself to kind of just one lane that someone gives you. You have multiple yeah. opportunities to go out there and achieve a goal and achieve even different goals. Yeah, exactly. So, Digna, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's busy this time in college season. I know you're kind of nearing towards conference play and eventually the tournament. So you the best of luck this year i wish georgia tech the best of luck and i wish you good luck on your future endeavors whatever it is that you do thank you so much thank you for having me no problem all right guys we'll be right back with more hoop jack so stay tuned
And we're back, guys. So I want to thank Digna for taking the time to come on the show. I loved hearing her story, you know, the many trials and errors she's gone through with playing at Lobby game, playing at Syracuse, and currently at Georgia Tech. Wish her the best of luck. Uh, good luck to her in the future. Hope she has that opportunity to play overseas. So now we have gotten to our little fun segments, our uh, Dano's Deep Thoughts. And we've told you guys so much about Dano's. There's not much more we can say. No, not. I mean, at this point, if you if you don't know about Dano's, what are you doing? It's have you been living under a rock? That's the only explanation. That's really it. And welcome. And first, and if you are, first of all, welcome to 2022. Um, no, there are no flying cars yet, which is a bummer. Um, but there are self-driving cars, which still surprised me to this day, but. As I bring myself back from this tangent, uh, my deep thought is with, I think we talked about this with the trans, the idea of um, athletes making money off of the NIL and the brands is, is there going to be a point where and you've talked about this, Uncle Sam is going to have to get his dollar, but is it going to get to a point where it becomes like a 2000s, you know, like the Miami scandal, um, where their boosters are taking advantage, like even SMU boosters taking advantage of student athletes at the same time? You know, I... I think we'll probably get to the point where a lot of this stuff is under the table in cash uh -huh. to kind of avoid the tax aspect of it. I and mean, eventually that's, that's they're going to, people are going to get caught up. That's, I mean, that's pretty much what the, you got paid under the table. Well, who was, um, who was that referee? Um, you know, do you know who I'm talking about, right? No. Uh, oh, Tim Donahue. So, okay, uh, yeah. So, for those of you who don't know, Tim Donahue was a big basketball ref in the two thousands. Reffed a lot of NBA games, even some playoff games. I believe he did finals, too. He reffed for 13 seasons from 1994 to 2007. He was caught in... On July 20th, 2007, it was revealed from an FBI investigation. It was, it was revealed that Donaghy who had a gambling problem, placed tens of thousands of dollars in bets on games during the 05-06 and 06-07 seasons and had been approached by low-level mob associates to work on a gambling scheme. Um, I mean, it's basically like what uh, Pete Rose did. He bet on his own games, but this was bad. So is it going to... Is it, is it ended up going to be something like that where... Boosters, but think about this. Booster, so so 
still kind of staying on the topic, FanDuel, BetMGM, DraftKings, huge right now. It's probably the biggest it's ever been because states are now legalizing online gambling, online casinos. I know Jake isn't involved. I mean, I, I, I gambled before it was legal, honestly. You gambled before it was legal. Yeah. Um, I, I like to have my fair shot of, you know, FanDuel. But um, is there going to be a point where athletes check their over-unders, their points? Oh, yeah. I mean, you to, can tell people already to shave, that. to shave points. And I know it hasn't really been talked about yet, but I do want to, like, bring it up because this could end up being how – you know, people say, oh, you can't script sports. Well, you kind of can. You can tell that people are already, like, they know the over-unders. They know what what they need to be at. And you can tell when you watch games that are close, people are paying attention to that. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if people start getting caught up in point shaving or People start running up the score, scoring late. It, it's not going to surprise me. And it's and it's going to get to a point where it gets out of control. You're going to have people who bet on their own games, like you know the Pete, Pete Rose, which in my opinion he probably still deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but yep. neither here nor there. Um, I think it's going to come down to a point where you are going to see a problem with it. But is it going to be as obvious as how you would think? Because, because in a sense, you you know you know what I mean. Because it's going to come down to a point where you know someone has bet their house on an over under or on a money line or on how many points you score, and it's gotten to a point where players have more power right now than anybody. Ever. I, I think it'll be obvious when you start seeing people miss a free throw at the end of a game like badly or people going 110% at the end of a game just to stretch the lead. We're going to see that stuff. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid of. Because then the ideal of, you know, everything happens for a reason and it kind of, you know, it's going to end up being, you know, you're either making or breaking someone's day because you just know. Yeah. And I, and I know, and I know that no one, I haven't seen people talk about it this, like at a point where we are, but could you imagine we were the first ones to like figure this out? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're probably one of the first ones to say or figure out. But, you know, we're not on TNT or we're not on ESPN. Fox Sports. Yeah, we're not we're not out there big yet. We're not on we're not on Telemundo. It's um, but at this, I mean, this was this 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 topic, you know, because it it infuriates me because you 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 
you live your whole life knowing that you work hard and because gambling i've never seen this much online gambling in years even in college i've never seen it this big like i know people who would who would gamble but it's never gotten to a point where they this much online gambling it's it's only going to continue to grow it is it's a multi-billion dollar industry that can only go up and it will come to a point where athletes do kind of take a notice do kind of even though boosters i feel could do something about it and it could get out of control yeah it probably will um Kind of and kind of segueing onto our pure recover mindful moment. Um, and we've talked about pure recover a lot, guys. They're a great company, great massage gun. Use our code, get a steal of a machine gun, not a, <laughs> a massage gun. I am so oh, you, man. you cannot buy a machine gun, you cannot buy a machine gun. Just oh, I'm. It's 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 that kind of day, folks. <laughs> it's it's that kind of day. Even Jake can kind of tell I'm at that kind of day. It has been that kind of day. But for our, our mindful moment, I think it's all a matter of work will all and you've brought this up. Don't let work take over your life. Because you're going to miss out on so much and spending time with your loved ones. You know, I, I say that term loosely, you know, with my family, but spend time with your loved ones. If you have kids, spend time with them. If you have your dog, if you have dogs or pets, give them a hug. Um, but don't let work define who you are. Let the person you know you are define you. And that's really my mindful moment. Jake, what about you? Now, there hasn't really been been too much on, on my mind lately. I mean, just continue to, you know, every single day, continue to take care of yourself. You can't take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself. And that's mentally, physically, spiritually. Take care of yourself. And I know that we, we're we not the most educated people out there, but we we, well, we like to think we are, you know, right? Like to think oh, yeah, I'm smarter than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I get told I'm smart every day. No, no, wait, I get told the opposite. But, yeah, um, but that's going to be it, guys. You know, we we like to have fun on this show. Um, big news coming soon. Uh, we've also, uh, I've also created a, a, a website for us. If you want to go check it out, it's on our link tree, head over. It has all of our episodes as well as links to our Spotify, Apple podcasts. And guys, every listen goes a long way, even if you want to, and every dollar penny 
nickel dime goes a long way. So donate to the channel, donate to us. We're continuing to plug out episodes. We're continuing to bring you fresh topics and we're continuing to bring you athletes who I don't know how we, we are landing these interviews. I, that's like, do, do you know the answer to that, Jake? Because I don't. Sure don't. Because I don't. Um, I'm just blessed to have the us to have the opportunity to reach out to these wonderful people, wonderful athletes who are working hard at what at their craft and working hard to achieve their goals. And that's what really we want for you guys is to go out there and achieve your goals, work on your craft. Everyone has a special skill that they just need to work on. So take the time to learn it. And at the end of the day, we love keep listening, keep tuning in. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hoop. Keep all peace.